You are Locked On SEC, your daily podcast on the Southeastern Conference. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's happening, everybody? Welcome to Locked On SEC. Great to have you guys along on today's show. SEC Commissioner Greg Sankey gets a contract extension just two weeks after expanding the conference, adding Oklahoma and Texas. The head of the SEC gets rewarded for his efforts to make the best power conference even better. The Florida Gators, they get their fall camp underway today. We'll talk all things Gators with G. Allen Taylor of The Athletic to find out what Dan Mullen and company had to say yesterday. And we catch up with Jake Crane of the J-Boy Show to talk all things SEC with him. Who is he expecting to shake things up this year in the league? We'll discuss that with him and all the SEC teams Getting underway with their fall camp this week. We'll give you a couple takeaways from a handful of them. I am Chris Gordy. Be sure to follow Locked on SEC for free wherever you get your podcast. You'll get the latest episode of the show as soon as it comes out. We are here for you five days a week talking all things SEC. And a quick reminder, check out some of our other great podcasts across the Locked on Podcast Network. Any SEC school you're looking for, just search for it and odds are we've got it for you. Let's jump into it. Let's go around the conference. Boots out to the right. Around the conference. And we start with Commissioner Greg Sankey of the SEC. Officially has agreed to a contract extension that will keep him in his post through at least 2026. The conference announced yesterday Sankey's contract extension continues a role he began back in June of 2015 when he became the eighth commissioner of the SEC. Jerry Moorhead, president of the University of Georgia and current president of the SEC, said Sankey has effectively introduced change and advancement for the conference while respecting the institutional traditions that make the SEC unique. His leadership and ability to foster collaboration through the COVID-19 pandemic helped establish a framework for all college sports, and those leadership skills will be critical as we move forward. Now, in his seventh year as SEC commissioner, Sankey has successfully promoted a collaborative culture in the conference in the midst of the highly competitive environment that is college sports. This past athletic year was particularly successful for the SEC, which recorded nine national championships, placed most schools in the top 25 in the Learfield IMG Directors' Cup, and all SEC schools have won 32 national titles since Sankey became commissioner in 2015. Well, with all the SEC schools starting up camp this week, we're starting to get some clarity on some questions with the season right around the corner. We start over at Auburn, where first-year head coach Brian Harson addressed Georgia transfer wide receiver Demetrius Robertson and his status. Harson said yesterday Robertson has not yet joined the team, but will as early as today or tomorrow. Harson said they're in the process of getting Robertson fully settled from an academic standpoint, and he's very close to being ready to go. So expect to see... Robertson on the Auburn practice field this weekend. Robertson, of course, announced last month he had entered the transfer portal at Georgia and had selected Auburn as his destination school. As Tennessee opens their fall camp, four guys who are competing for that week one starting quarterback spot against Bowling Green and Josh Heupel's Rocky Top debut coming up at the end of this month. There are four guys, Hendon Hooker, Harrison Bailey, Brian Maurer, and Joe Milton. Milton is getting a lot of buzz as of late. Still plenty of time for the other guys to pull ahead. But Joe Milton standing out from the pack. He has starting experience at Michigan. He's 6'5", 244 pounds. Wide receiver Jimmy Calloway talking with the media yesterday. 
says it is Milton's arm strength. He said not all of them throw different, to be honest. They all throw the same except for Joe. He's different. He said it, when the ball comes out of his hands, it's like a bullet. One of the bigger questions around Milton is how quickly he can digest that playbook coming in later than all the rest of the other quarterbacks. Callaway said Milton came in and hit the ground like he was here all spring. He said he knew the plays, so he's straight. Let's see what Joe Milton can do if he can make himself the starting quarterback for the Vols here over these next couple of weeks. Over in South Carolina, running back Kevin Harris led all SEC backs last year in average yards per game at around 113 per game. Harris will enter the fall camp recovering from a procedure on his back, Shane Beamer told reporters yesterday. Beamer described it as a minor procedure told reporters that Harris is not yet cleared to practice, will not take the field today. The good news is Beamer fully expects Harris to be good to go for game one next month. Harris is a sophomore, appeared in all 10 games for the Gamecocks last year, carried the ball 185 times, averaged over an impressive 6.1 yards per carry, also had 15 touchdowns on the ground. South Carolina can possibly lean on the likes of Marshawn Lloyd and Zaquandre White if Harris is hampered at all for that home opener against Eastern Illinois on September 4th. Over at Arkansas, Sam Pittman met with reporters yesterday and talked about his quarterback spot. Pittman said he thinks there's a battle there. He said K.J. Jefferson is one going into fall camp, but Malik Hornsby is sitting there at two, and John Stephen Jones is there to compete. He said we have to figure out who our three is before we know who can compete for the two spot. Jefferson enters his third year with Arkansas, played in three games, making one start in 2019. And then last year, his playing time increased, played in five games, including a start against Missouri. Hornsby enters this season as a redshirt freshman after appearing in one game last year. And, of course, Jones, the grandson of Jerry Jones, is now a redshirt junior. Star wide receiver Traylon Burks, he took it a little bit of a step further yesterday, saying he is supremely confident KJ Jefferson. He said, quote, honestly, I am 100% confident KJ. That's my boy. We're basically like blood for him to come into the Missouri game and show us what he could do. That showed a lot to us. I know it showed the defense and the offense what he's capable of and that he's capable of leading this team. I'm 100% confident in him. So we will see what KJ Jefferson does for the Hogs this fall. Over at Florida, Dan Mullen gave an update on defensive and Brenton, Brenton Cox, who is coming back from offseason surgery that he had last month. Mullen said, I mean, we expect him to be back. I don't know if we're going to let him go 100% right on day one, but he's going to be out there practicing as soon as possible. Mullen also said he's got high expectations. He said, I expect big things out of Brenton Cox this year, as I thought he had a really solid year last year. Now second year in the system, more experienced, more veteran guy. He's older, having to learn. Look at what he did well, importantly, last year and how to build off of that. I have tremendous respects for, respect for Brenton because you're looking at a guy highly profiled as a recruit. People had all kinds of questions about him. So Brenton Cox, keep an eye out for him this year at Florida. Former Alabama offensive coordinator, now first-year head coach Steve Sarkeesian made some interesting comments yesterday. Sarkeesian talked about the Longhorns eventually moving to the SEC and said making the move will give the Longhorns a bigger target on their backs. Talking with ESPN, Steve Sarkeesian said, I didn't take this job blindly. We're everybody's biggest game. 
I think coming out of the SEC move and the talk of what's happened, our bullseye just got a little bit bigger. I have some bad news for Steve Sarkeesian. Texas will not be every one of the SEC's biggest game. Texas, by the way, will face at least one SEC school this year. They uh, will travel to Arkansas on September 11th. Uh, bad news, that's probably Arkansas's fifth biggest game this year, Steve. So how about Steve Sarkeesian selling, settling into the arrogance of the Texas Longhorns already, saying we're everybody's biggest game. I don't think so, Longhorn. It's been a while since you've been everybody's biggest game. Oklahoma is everybody's biggest game right now in the Big 12. Tons of transfers going to make an impact across college football this fall. And the crew over at Fox College Football's noon kickoff listed their top five impact transfers and several of them with SEC connections. At number four, they list former LSU tight end, now Georgia wide receiver Eric Gilbert. At number three, they list former Tennessee, now Oklahoma running back Eric Gray. And at number one, they have former Tennessee, now Alabama linebacker Henry Toa Toa. Hard to argue with those names. I also think Wanya Morris could be one to make this list. Yet another Tennessee guy who transferred to Oklahoma. In recruiting news, Tennessee Volunteers added another commitment to their class of 2022 and three-star wide receiver Chaz Nimrod. He's the number 70 wide receiver in the class, the number six overall recruit from the state of Arkansas. The Vols now have 14 players in their signing class, which ranks 30th in the country. And bad news for Dan Mullen and Florida. They missed out on an offensive line recruit this week as offensive tackle Leighton Nelson chose UCF and Gus Melzahn over the Gators. Nelson told the Orlando Sentinel that Florida O-line coach uh, and Dan Mullen were spamming his phone down the stretch. He went on to say Florida recruited him hard, but UCF was at a whole other level. And there you have it. That is around the conference. When we return, we're going to head out to Gainesville, get an early preview on how the Gators are looking so far uh, as they get fall camp started up. We're going to talk with G. Allen Taylor of The Athletic. A little bit later, we'll talk with Jay Crane of The J-Boy Show. That's coming up next. Need to remind you guys about our friends over at Built Bar giving you the freedom of choice, which you can celebrate your freedom of choice because Built Bar has so many delicious flavors. Nine different ones from raspberry to cherry barcia, coconut, strawberry, orange, cookies and cream, mint brownie, my favorite. If you have not tried all their flavors, you can get a mixed box where you get two of each of their nine flavors. That's what I always recommend people to do. Try them all out first, see which one you like the best, and then you can go from there. Not only are the Built Bar flavors the best tasting, but they're healthy as well. 17 to 18 grams of protein packed in there. Calories ranging from 130 to 180. Four grams sugar, four grams net carbs. Amazing flavors, all tasty and all healthy. If you order today, you can get the salted caramel, the strawberry, raspberry, whatever you like. Just head to BuiltBar.com. They are the official protein bar of the U.S. track and field team. And if you go to BuiltBar.com, you can use our promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off your next order that is builtbar.com promo code lock 15 use that promo code for 15 percent off at builtbar.com telling you go try them today you will not regret it Rolling along here, Locked On SEC, and a pleasure now to be joined by this guy. We have not talked much about the Florida Gators. You know, they were the first day of SEC media days. We got to catch up with Ventrell Miller, and then they were kind of like out of sight, out of mind. We have not talked much about the Gators ever since, and 
They are hitting the practice field this week. Of course, Dan Mullen and some of the players talking with the media. So we figured we'd catch up with G. Allen Taylor covering the Florida Gators and the SEC for the Athletic. And he joins us now. Uh, Mr. Taylor, how are you, sir? And how was uh, the first, I guess, media availability of the start of fall camp with the Florida Gators? Hey, uh, glad to see you, man. Uh, it was good. It was good. Um, <laughs> we're not going to see any preseason uh, practice, which is an oddity still. I guess a carryover from COVID. So uh, at least today we got to interact with some players and hear Mullen, uh, you know, talk uh, at length uh, with most of the questions being about Emory Jones uh, stepping in for Kyle Trask. What, uh, anything else really stand out from what you heard from Dan Mullen? I know, uh, you know, he's, he said he welcomes the challenge of Oklahoma and Texas to the SEC, but anything uh, other than that stand out uh, on his first kind of talking with the media here at the start of fall camp? Well, Emory's obviously the, the pivotal deal, you know. Is, is, does he evolve into uh, a really good dual threat guy who can uh, make throws in the pocket and, and do what he does with his legs? And obviously on the defensive side, they better show a uh, – a ton of improvement over last year because, you know, had that defense even been really average last year, you're probably talking about Florida being in the college football playoff. But, you know, when you give up 30 plus points a game and I think uh, in five, uh, sorry, in six of their 12 games, they give up more than 35 points. Uh, and ultimately that's what kept them out of, uh, of the playoff. Yeah. Let me start there. How surprised were you uh, that Todd Grantham is back for another year? Cause I mean, I gotta be honest, uh, down the stretch of the season, obviously giving up all those points to LSU, I was surprised by. And then, obviously, the bowl game, um, you know, I know they had a lot of players that opted out of that game. But, man, the Oklahoma kind of had their way. Were you surprised when you heard Todd Grantham was coming back? I think uh, for a guy like that to get to get pushed out and, to, and for house cleaning to happen, you need to string together successive bad years. And, and you know, for all the, the faults of last year's defense, which was abysmal, um, his first two years at Florida were pretty good. And, you, you know, I think the, the book on Grantham is he's had some good, not great defenses, and there's just been situations, uh, especially on third down, where uh, where teams convert. But, you know, you go back to like week four or five last year, and, of course, he's on the hot seat and everyone's complaining. <laughs> Alabama's given up something like 48 points at Ole Miss and 600-plus yards. So I think last year was one of those situations where, you know, what, what was a good defense last year? I, I'm not sure I saw one, you know, outside of maybe, I guess, A&M. Uh, I mean, seriously, you know, you, you go to the SEC championship game and Florida's defense makes the turnover uh, down in the red zone. And if not for Mechie with a great ear hole hit on Trey Dean, you know, maybe that's the play that, that keeps Alabama out of the end zone. And that's the, the one possession difference in that game. So um, they've got to get the communication settled, which, I mean, every defense is talking about that, right? If offenses just go faster and faster and find flexible players that you can move around without having to substitute. Um, so really, you know, getting lined up is going to be key. And they've gotten most of their key pieces back on defenses, on defense, rather. And, and the main two that they lost uh, on the, the, the defensive front have been replaced by an Auburn transfer, Daquan Newkirk, and uh, a Penn State starter, Antonio Shelton. Both of those guys are sick-year guys who are talented and hungry. Um, not necessarily first or second-round draft picks, but solid guys you can plug in immediately. And so I think that defense is going to be a lot better off uh, this year. And, and as I said, they, <laughs> they really don't have an option. They've got to be. 
<laughs> yeah, no doubt. Um, and look, they're going to be they're going to have some good pieces coming back. I mean, I was a little surprised when I saw Zachary Carter announce he's coming back. Jeremiah Moon, of course, uh, Ventral Miller, who is at SEC Media Days. Kyer Elam is you know on every preseason watch list. So when you look at, it, I mean, they really do have some pieces. It just seems like man, they just need to get the scheme right because they've got the talent. Yeah, you know, last year they had three senior safeties who were either injured or, quite frankly, just not real athletic at times. And so, um, you know, the, the, the back end was just a mess, right? And so I think Kyrie Elam played pretty well on one side at cornerback, and then, uh, you know, Jaden Hill struggled at the other. They brought in a Missouri transfer, Jadarius Perkins, to compete. And there's probably another cornerback transfer coming in this week to sort of uh, give them another older cornerback in the room. So, um, you know, the, the deal with Ventrell coming back, you know, when you're looking at being a fifth or a sixth round pick, um, you might as well come back and try to in, improve your value. And the thing about Ventrell is he's a Lakeland, Florida kid, um, a, a chance to, to, to be an all SEC player this year. Um, quite frankly, he might've been an all SEC player last year if the pieces around him weren't so discombobulated. So, you know, he, he's got a motivating uh, factor and it made a smart choice to come back. And I think Zach Carter did as well because last year was really his first year as a full-time starter. Yeah, I really enjoyed my uh, my conversation with Miller at, at SEC Media Days, really, um, you know, expecting big things out of him this year. I, I want to go back to the offense and, and the quarterback spot. Um, you mentioned, you know, Emory Jones and obviously high expectations for him this year. Would it be wrong to say that he is more of a prototypical uh, Dan Mullen quarterback just when we think of, you know, the Tim Tebow's and obviously Dak Prescott who had, you know, the running ability. And we've seen Emory come in at spots, you know, last year as the the, the kind of, you know, running quarterback who, who has that dual threat. And no no offense to Kyle Trask. Obviously, he was fantastic last year, set all kinds of records and all that. But, like, is this more – is Emory more suited to run the Dan Mullen offense, per se? Well, I wonder if that's one reason why we didn't see a single second of spring ball and we won't be seeing a single second of preseason camp because I think the offense is going to be so drastically different that – and maybe I'm just being paranoid or maybe Dan Mullen's being paranoid. Um, it, it can't look like last year. You know, uh, you don't have Kyle Pitts. You have a very good tight end in Keon Zipper and Kamara Gamble, but you don't have Kyle Pitts. And obviously you don't have a, uh, a quick twitch kind of slot guy like Kadarius Tony. That said, they have got a ton of length and speed at receiver, uh, just different type of skills. So, um, you know, to your point, yeah, I think it does – go back to, to to the Mississippi State days and even some of that 06, 07, 08 Florida stuff that you that you saw. And, um, you know, give Henry and Dan credit. The only time they ran the ball with, with real efficiency last year was when he was in the, in the game, obvious running situation, but they had that extra hat and it made it work. So, you know, it's going to be interesting to see what, what that does. Um, it's sort of an every down option versus being just a change of pace. I was going to say, I think, you know, when we've seen Florida be really at its peak throughout the years, it's when they do have that nice balance of, of run and pass. Um, you know, it seemed like at times they, they just completely abandoned the run game at times last year. What is the run game going to look like this year? I know you got a mix of backs from, from Pierce to Wright to Bowman and Davis. What is that run game going to look like this year? Well, I think just the fact that um, you do have Emory in the game as a running threat is going to make it more viable. Um, 
and I expect to see more guys in the box, right? Uh, defenders. That said, you know, I think it might be a situation where uh, Emory doesn't, you know, complete even half the passes that Trask did, but his average per completion might be higher because, you know, you're going to have some situations where some guys on the outside are going to be one-on-one because defenses are, are trying to slow down the run. I also think the offensive line last year, uh, three of whom are back, is probably better uh, suited uh, to a power run game, but but one they just didn't want to waste time on last year. It, quite frankly, it, it didn't mesh well. It didn't fit. It didn't fit Trask. And, um, you know, while, while running to a brick wall when the ability to play pitch and catch with some of those guys was almost a guaranteed five, six, seven yards a pop. I mean, it was, uh, it, it feels anti-SEC to say that, you know, but um, there were times where that was just the easiest, simplest, and really almost the, the lower risk option as opposed to trying to, you know, root out some of those big defensive lines that they faced. Last thing for you, and we appreciate your time talking with G. Allen Taylor, of course, uh, from The Athletic covering the Florida Gators. What's the reaction down in Florida been to this SEC expansion? I know uh, some people are excited about you bring two big brands like Texas and Oklahoma to the conference, but what's been the reaction around Gainesville so far? It's, it's a little muted, right? I mean, it's, it's nothing like what you're seeing at Texas A&M or even LSU. Uh, because I think those two schools, and especially schools like even Arkansas that recruit Texas and to some degree Oklahoma so hard, I think those are the schools that uh, could be potentially hurt on the recruiting side by a Texas and Oklahoma com- coming in. Um, now, you know, if it makes you another 15 or $20 million, uh, I guess you'll deal with it, right? You'll, <laughs> you'll find a way to smile anyway. Florida seems so distant that most of the, uh, I, won't, I don't want to say the anxiety, but most of the speculation here involves you know, how does the scheduling rotation work? Obviously, Florida-Georgia is going to continue. I would suppose Florida-Tennessee will continue. I think Florida-LSU needs to continue because that's one of the four or five marquee games that the SEC puts out every year. And even though people say, well, that's not a long-term rivalry, I think you're looking at 20-something straight years of that game being played, you know, if you don't count hurricanes. And you know, I think it's one of those that needs to continue. So do they go to a pod? Do they go nine games? Uh, you know, what do they do to, to, to keep some of that tradition alive? So I think that's the, the way it's being discussed around here, at least until we, we find a sort of a firm date for when this thing will, will actually happen. And everybody's saying it's, it's certainly not going to take all the way to 2025 for it to uh, come to fruition. Yeah, that LSU-Florida rivalry, I mean, it feels like every year that, that game is a, a one-score game, and, uh, you know, there's some outliers, but every year it's a competitive game. Uh, G. Allen Taylor, let our listeners know what you got up at The Athletic. I'm a subscriber, love the content, really enjoy reading your stuff. Uh, what are, what can our listeners expect this week? Uh, just about to publish uh, 10 Gators who are feeling the most pressure going into preseason camp, which starts tomorrow, and then we'll have a uh, – uh, a real deep dive on Ventral Miller coming up this weekend, uh, talking to some people around his hometown and his position coach and, and really, uh, you know, learning more about his background beyond, you know, tackles and starts and stats. So uh, that's what we got coming up in the next 72 hours. Awesome. Great stuff, man. Thanks so much for uh, taking some time to join us. My pleasure, man. Anytime. All right. That's G. Allen Taylor of The Athletic. I really appreciate him taking some time out. When we return... We're going to talk with our buddy Jay Crane, the J-Boy Show. We'll talk all things SEC with him. That's next. 
Rolling along here, locked on SEC. Jay Crane, the J-Boy Show. You have kind of come out of nowhere in this past year, man, and uh, you're getting tons of great interviews. You guys got the, the set. You got everything, man. Man, well, uh, I appreciate that. I'm, I'm very blessed. You know, timing's everything. Uh, Coach college football for the past nine years. If I was the Division One level, just did this during the pandemic, you know, before we could go back messing around and uh, turned into this. And uh, today, I appreciate the kind words, too. You know what you know what I think of you and how much respect I got for you guys. But uh, now, today signed a partnership uh, to be the official media sponsor of the National Football Foundation and the Football Writers Association wow. of America with the Super 16 poll and got a few couple more big announcements come this week. So, look, I just uh, – they build the race car. I just get in it and try and drive it. <laughs> I love that, man. It's a great. That's such an SEC type comparison there. Uh, what uh, overall takeaways so far? It's it's a stone's throw from the season. Uh, it means it's getting close, and and to be able to go back and something you know, uh, it's in our fabric. It's it's in our DNA. Football and being able to go to the stadium and enjoy that. And it's not just about the game. It's the atmosphere. It's the smells. It's the taste. Yeah. It's the relationships. And uh, but no, it's just been great to see a bunch of the guys and see the coaches and the players. And like I said, it lets you know that we're about to be kicking this thing off here soon. I can't wait, man. Of the new coaches, the new faces just this year and last year, who are you most optimistic about this year? You know, that's a great question. I really like what Eli's doing over at Missouri. Uh, and, and really, you know, I don't expect them to, to win the East this year or, or to even finish second. I have Kentucky finishing second. But it seems like the demeanor's changed over there. Yeah. And Eli's always coached with a chip on his shoulder. I think Connor Bazlack, their quarterback, plays with a chip on the shoulder. Now, the biggest question is the front seven on defense. They lose Nick Bolton, had a couple transfers. But, you know, I had him on the show. We're releasing that tomorrow morning. And uh, Eli's confident. Uh, he's about as confident as I've heard him. You know, I coached against him and, and know him really well. And uh, I think Missouri's going to beat a couple teams that, that they're not supposed to. And, again, you know, you look around the league, uh, a lot of teams are replacing quarterbacks. Missouri is not. Uh, very high on Connor Basilak and, and the guys they got around him, and I think Eli's going to have a pretty good second year. Yeah, I don't think anybody had them beating LSU last year, and lo and behold, they're, they're able to do that. Um, Brian Harson and Josh Heupel, two of the yeah. new coaches in the league. Um, is I mean, I, I say this, and I, I don't know. I mean, I know the fan bases are, are pretty passionate, but, like, is this year almost a pass? Like, do you just want to you want to see some positives? Maybe not so much win total, but just see some signs of hope for the future. Yeah, and, and every situation is different. Uh, I think when you not only look at, at Harson and Josh, but you know Shane and, and Clark, you know at Vandy, uh, Brian Harson inherited the best roster. Now, does that mean that they have an elite roster? They don't. The thing I think that Malzahn did the worst job of, and, and I hate to go back, is roster structure. You know, you don't sign a high school offensive tackle since 2017 in a run first offense. How does that happen? Uh, and, and you look at, at the personnel they have, I think 8-4 and four would be a huge year for, for Harson and Auburn. Tennessee, I'm very interested to see if Josh goes the speed limit, but expectations in year one, as deep as this league is, a lot of it, and everybody wants to win, and I understand that. We're the reason the SEC is so competitive is because the fans are so competitive. Right. We're very competitive people. And when I look at year one, a lot of it is about the foundation. You putting in the culture, guys understanding you can't be late for meetings. We're not going to skip reps. You shouldn't have somebody in the weight room having to look at you to not skip reps. When you go out to practice, it's understanding and being an adult and being able to compartmentalize things and go to work every day. Uh, that's what I'm looking for, how guys are on the field. Are they yelling at coaches coming off the sidelines? How are they on the sidelines? It's an emotional game, but the teams that can control their emotions with controlled aggression typically win. So you'll have a team that will sneak up and have a good year that first year, but a lot of it's based on personnel, uh, and, and I'm looking for a lot of things outside of what happens on the field that will tell you a lot about the future of that program with these new people leading it i, I th hate, to, hate to throw people under the bus but you know you've been in coaching 
Bo Pelini just did not work last year at LSU. Yeah. And I look at that team, and they went 5-5. Five and five, But I look at that roster, and I see the talent coming back. Mm-hmm. They've got talent on that defense. Yeah. Is it as simple to say the scheme sucked last year? Well, here's what I'm going to tell you. Um, and, again, you know, from a, from a coaching standpoint, you know, I don't ever like to say anything, you know, too bad about other coaches. But I'm watching LSU play Mississippi State and not get out of man the whole game. I had Mike Leach on the show. He couldn't believe it because, you know, Bo Pelini's known for, for his soft shell cover, too. Yeah. And the whole preseason going into the game, like, all right, this is what we're going to get. This is what we're going to get. And they never got out of man. And then you find out uh, that they didn't really put in zone. How do you not put in zone coverages like that to me? And, and then Ed O comes out and says he didn't interview him, didn't really watch any film. Yeah. Well, that's obvious. But, you know, Ed's the type of guy that he's going to be honest with you right. uh, and, and learn from his mistakes, and he's not afraid to say he made a mistake. But, but that was, that was a, a very lazy year last year. Because, again, you can't just say we're just going to out-talent everybody. they got a ton of talent at LSU, you're right. There's a lot of teams that got a lot of other talent, and sometimes scheme can compete with talent for a while, and if you don't adjust the scheme, can beat talent. And that's what happened at LSU last year. Talking with Jay Crane of the J-Boy Show. I'm sure you're going to do a whole – preseason picks and all that kind of stuff leading leading up to the season but just talking in general some of the teams everybody's penciling in georgia and alabama that's that's easy to discuss those two teams and rightfully so they're Mm -hmm. they're loaded teams who else should be in the conversation i love what mark stoops and kentucky are doing Uh, i got him finishing second in the east uh when i look at that roster and again kentucky's won eight nine even ten games with literally with literally no passing game you bring in liam cohen Big-time guy from the Rams, very respected in the coaching world. He's going to spread it out. Will Levis, nobody's talking about him, the transfer from Penn State. I like his mobility. I like what they're going to be able to do with him from the pocket. I think he's a good enough passer to get, to get them where they need to. And, again, the book's not out on Liam Cohen. You don't have a bunch of tape to look back and say, all right, this guy's going to do this in the SEC and this, that, and the other. You don't. <laughs> so you have the element of surprise, but the defense and the front seven that Mark Stoops has put together is going to allow them to compete. And now that they're going in and being able to spread the ball around and stuff like that, defenses are going to have to actually really prepare to play them. And Kentucky, I'm telling you right now, Mark Stoops is the best coach in Lexington uh, that they got up there. He's the best one they got. I'm looking at them. Again, Ole Miss, you know, that's with Lane, with Matt coming back, with Lebby coming back, with four or five offensive starters coming back. I love Braylon Sanders, love Mingo. Uh, they're going to score points. The question is defense. If they can get a couple spots, uh, stops, and a turnover in two, Ole Miss is going to sneak up and bite somebody. Uh, but those two, and then a and I'm very interested to see. I think Haynes King's going to win the job there. I love Mike Elf- Elko, their defensive coordinator, uh, what he does. And then Arkansas, you know, with, with Barry Odom year two, how that defense looks with better personnel. So there's a lot of great storylines out there, but watch out for Kentucky. Watch out for them. Uh, tons of transfers and, and stuff going on around the SEC. Give me a guy that maybe we're not talking about much now, but you think by the end of the year is going to have a huge impact on the SEC. I'm gonna give you. I'm gonna give you two if you don't mind. Sure. That one because I just said one. Will Levis, but the other guys at Kentucky, Wandell Robinson. Yeah. You know, I, with that new offense, they're gonna feature him. That's the reason they got him there. That that's the main reason they're gonna feature him. I think he's gonna have a huge year. And I, again, you know, I look at the schedule too. You know, Florida's got to go to Missouri, to Kentucky, to South Carolina, to LSU, Georgia and Jacksonville, Bama at home. That's tough. Yeah. And Kentucky's is not nearly as tough as that, but watch out for Wondell Robinson. I think he's going to make a lot of plays this year. Last thing before we let you go, I know Mike Leach was talking about the expanded playoff, and he said uh, 12 teams is a huge step in the right di- direction. Personally, I'd like to see 64. <laughs> a little just great Mike Leach quote there. 
Yeah, well, you know, lately it looks like 64 may be the only way Mississippi State can get in. Um, <laughs> but no, look, Mike is, Mike is hilarious. I, I think he looks forward to this stuff a lot. Uh, I don't think he goes in preparing. You know, really, I'm going to say this, I'm going to say this, I'm just going to let it ride. Right. And look, I, I like the eight-team format instead of the 12-team format. I don't yeah. like the four buys. Uh, this isn't basketball, this isn't baseball. Buying right. football that late in the season is humongous. If I'm playing a game, you got to play a game. That's exactly right. <laughs> um, and, and, you know, Mike Leach, he's great. You know, when I had him on the show, we probably talked about football for about two minutes out of about 30. But, <laughs> no, he's a treasure. we got to protect him. And, look, you know, I'm interested to see Mississippi State. And, and I'm interested to see because the question around Mike Leach and Dana Holgerson begged him to do it as his uh, OC is, are you going to run the ball more? You can't smoke draw your way to an SEC West championship. I don't think he's going to do it. Um, I think their personnel is going to be a little bit better of uh, a 64 teams I, I can't handle that that's uh, that's almost uh <laughs> that's almost overload to me in the game of football why well, play a season at that point jake crane of the j boy show check him out the j boy thanks so much for the time i really appreciate Gordy, it i appreciate it you do a heck of a job my friend let's do this again thanks man that is just about going to do it for this edition of locked on sec my thanks go out to g allen taylor of the athletic talking all things florida gators with us and our buddy Jay Crane of the J-Boy Show talking all things SEC with him. Always a good time. I'm Chris Gordy. We are Locked on SEC. We're here for you five days a week talking all things about the Southeastern Conference, particularly, oh, that thing they do with the pigskin. We call it football. That is right around the corner. Tons of stuff to get into. Tons more guests as we count you down to the start of yet another SEC football season. Subscribe to Locked on SEC. Give us a five-star review if you don't mind. We would really appreciate it. I'm Chris Gordy. I will talk to you guys on Monday. Have a great weekend, everybody. And remember, betting on the SEC does not have to be a guessing game. If you listen to the new Locked on Bets podcast, your boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Sterling have got you covered with daily picks, blowout specials, and Lee's lock of the day. Follow Locked on Bets, brought to you by betonline.ag, wherever you get your podcasts.